And I loved to challenge myself with something that was just, just one step away from unattainable, which mountain climbing was for me. The mountains got bigger and bigger. Uh, I went to Argentina and climbed the biggest mountain in the Western Hemisphere. That's a mountain called Aconcagua down in Argentina in the Andes Range. And I climbed uh, on my second try Denali in uh, Alaska, which probably a lot of people know that's the biggest one in North America. And I traveled to Africa and climbed Kilimanjaro, which was fun. And then, uh, so the the next biggest one was uh, was Mount Everest to try. And I promptly went in 2007 and did not make it. But I learned a ton. I was sick, I was uh, my training wasn't good. I got a throat infection and a lung infection. And I made the really smart decision to halfway up the ice fall, which is a very dangerous spot on the, on the climb during the summit attempt to go home that year because uh, I was going to put myself at risk and I was going to put other people at risk if they needed to rescue me. So um, I did the right call by turning around. Welcome to the Secrets of Success podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Ken Keyes. Well, today's guest is a longtime friend of mine. We actually were in a mastermind together for nearly a year. We traveled uh, together to see or attend programs together in Philadelphia. And so my friend, Dr. Tim Warren, who's a doctor of chiropractic, is my guest. And he was on the show about three years ago. Now, interesting, you'll learn in the show, but Tim summited Everest at 48 years of age. He's also climbed five of the seven tallest mountains in the world, but he's also has a real passion around health and wellness and also the area around <clears throat> chronic pain. So my encouragement is, is that you would uh, listen to the show, get a sense of health and wellness strategies, but we also talk about how our mind affects our net results and how, in fact, Tim's research is shown in his work, how our mind is actually affecting our pain, but also our wellness levels. Now, in that vein, this show is sponsored by Consulting Resource Group, which is our publishing and training consulting and assessment company. In one of the assessments I like to focus on today, and Tim mentions it during the show, is our stress indicator in health planner assessment. It is our longest assessment, has 120 questions, but it helps you to identify your wellness levels and your stress level in five separate categories. And we go in depth when we talk about interpersonal communications or nutrition and lifestyle or uh, occupational. So all of that is just very detailed. It's there for you to really help to establish your stress levels and how we can have you know, a successful life. Now, so what if I know my life purpose? if I'm ill and now and even at this time and I don't know when you're listening to this show is important your immune system and strengthening it in being strong and being able to resist any kind of bug that comes your way and if if you got a bug that you can be successfully beat it it a lot of it has to do with your immunity system and that comes from stress and wellness and your mindset so thank you as always for listening if you like what we're doing pass it on share it let other people know leave a positive comment in whatever platform you are listening on so here's today's show with dr tim warren welcome to the secrets of success podcast i'm your host dr ken keys 
Well, today we actually have a repeat guest, and I want to consider him a friend because we hung out together, we did some uh, workshops together, we're also in a mastermind together, and welcome to the show, Dr. Tim Warren. Tim, Thank you, Dr. Ken. I appreciate being here again. Well, uh, now, of course, you were on the show uh, many years ago, and it's funny, now that we have over 200 episodes, <laughs> uh, boy, the show just kind of grows, and whenever you're listening to this, who knows how many more that are kind of been posted and up there, but one of the things, you know, uh, Tim, you're an expert on on chronic pain, and your, your doctorate is, is a DC, correct? Yes, Dr. Chiropractic. Okay, so for those listening, so Tim's really going to help us around, you know, what percentage of people actually have chronic pain in their system that you, what's the, what's the, what's the stat say about that, Tim? In society, you're talking about um, uh, across the board or? Yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, I come from the U.S., and so I, I'm, I'm not sure of the Canadian stats, but I'm pretty sure the, uh, the American stats. And first of all, up to 80% of the country at one time or another will have an acute back flare-up of pain, which is pretty high. And it's the second leading cause of missing work to the common cold. Mm. So it's, uh, and it costs, uh, there's various ways to calculate the cost to the, to the country, but it's anywhere between 120, $150 billion a year mm. in uh, chronic back pain. Well, and that was as a chiropractor. I certainly I got into practice in the late '80s, and uh, one thing I started to see within a few short years was that there was a lot of other stuff wrapped up, rather than what their complaints were coming in. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, there was a lot before, of psychology. Yeah, for sure. Now, Tim, not to interrupt you, but I want to back up just a minute because we, of course, had your previous show is on the, in the archives somewhere in the you know three years ago. Uh, depending on when somebody is listening to this. But what yeah. I think the listeners need to know that you're an individual who almost at his 50th birthday, just a couple of years short, uh, climbed and successfully um, summited Mount Everest. Is that correct? That is correct. So when you think about it, and uh, now, of course, there are some people who have biologically better oxygen levels than others. You know, what was driving the you? to do this feat and then you know physically what's the demands to kind of summit Everest well uh, I wouldn't advise it to anybody unless you're called like I was because it's pretty unhealthy for a health oriented guide a natural health oriented professional it's not the healthiest healthiest thing in the world to do but it was my dream for a lot of years and I, I got that dream initially because my uh, my parents were kind of crazy and we lived out of the box and we traveled around the country a lot and we camped out everywhere coast to coast so I got a healthy love for the outdoors from an early age and did a lot of hiking and backpacking with my family early on. And then in the early 90s, I was in practice for a few years and I started to technically climb, uh, do ice climbing in the winter up in New Hampshire and a lot of backpacking and rock climbing outdoors in the summer in the states around Rhode Island. I'm on the East Coast. And I just started to want to take that to the next level, and I decided to go out and take a bunch of courses out in the Cascade Range in Washington around Mount Rainier back in the 90s, 
and I just loved it. And I can remember being on the top of Mount Rainier and thinking, I'm going to go to one big mountain someplace in the world every year. I can fit that into my life. It's really exciting and thrilling. And I love the travel that takes place when you go to a remote mountain. And I loved hanging out with people who share the same love. Um, I liked going where the, where the tour buses don't go. So all that was a super exciting for me. And I loved to challenge myself with something that was just just one step away from unattainable, which mountain climbing was for me. Mm. And uh, so I kind of got, the, the mountains got bigger and bigger. Uh, I went to Argentina and climbed the biggest mountain in the Western Hemisphere. That's a mountain called Aconcagua down in Argentina in the Andes Range. And I climbed uh, on my second try Denali in uh, Alaska, which probably a lot of people know that's the biggest one in North America. And I traveled to Africa and climbed Kilimanjaro, which was fun. And, uh, and then, uh, so the, the next biggest one was, uh, was Mount Everest to try. And I promptly went in 2007 and did not make it. Failed on that attempt. But I learned a ton. I was sick. I was, uh, my training wasn't good. I got a throat infection and a lung infection. And I made the really smart decision to halfway up the ice fall, which is a very dangerous spot on the, on the climb during the summit attempt to turn my sorry butt around and go home that year because uh, I was going to put myself at risk and I was going to put other people at risk if they needed to rescue me. So um, I did the right call by turning around. Mm. And initially I was really depressed about that. And then I decided to learn the lessons, to change my training, to change my mindset. One of the things about the mindset that I learned on that failed climb was that for the life of me, I could not visualize myself at the summit. I just could It just was too overwhelming for me. And I think that's the biggest reason why I did not summit it. I could not visualize the end result. Isn't that and so, interesting, Tim? You, yeah. had, you had successfully visualized yourself on these other mountains. And by the way, Mount Rainier being in our area, we're familiar with that, sort of your starting point. Sure. So what do you think was different? I read too many books. I had uh, all the disasters on my mind. Uh, it's, uh, I, just, I just couldn't see myself up there. And so what I did... Even though you had I, invested and you'd sort of packed everything up to get there there was still this missing component. There was a missing component. Uh, the, the, one of the things that's unique about Mount Everest is there's um, people, the average year, six or seven people die. And I know that people die on, on other mountains that I've been to and people die on Mount Rainier. But um, I don't know, it's just kind of in your face more once you're there. It's like when you're in that enclave of base camp and the stories are, are around, and oh, so-and-so's body became is, un, is visible this year because the mm -hmm. snow melts and certain you know, mm -hmm. bodies are available, and uh, it just, I was overwhelmed by it. Um, but I also visualized, I saw some people that what I, I considered better climbers than me who didn't make the summit, and then it was interesting, I saw people that I knew I was a better climber than, and they did make it. So, uh, and you can only climb once a year. So I had a year to think about this and plan my next trip. And I can remember taking all the, the uh, sports psychology books out of the library, buying a ton of books, whole stacks of books. And I devoured those over that uh, year until I could make another attempt. 
And they pretty much all boiled down to one word, like all sports psychology just boiled down to one word, which was visualization. And that's what I was lacking that first year. So I think it was just coming to grips with that. And, um, and I had some mentors that I didn't have the, the second year. Um, but you never know if you're going to make it because a million things can go wrong, even some things that are out of your at the, out of your control. I oh, mean, such the, as the weather, day, which is can change in a dime, right? The the weather can change on a dime. There's only a weather window of between four and eight days per year in late May. So if you're not right there at the right time, it's not going to happen. And some days that some years that weather window just does not happen. Last year was was kind of one of those. There was like a a day and a half of the weather window. Hence, that's why you may have seen all that uh, those photos of people just wall to wall, uh, way up high, which was ridiculous. So right. now how many yeah. people normally try to summit and then how many make it? Do you know what kind well, of, the uh, are? nobody's climbing this year because it's uh, been closed due to, to, uh, the state of the health of the world right now. But, um, an average, uh, there's been a lot more recently and there's a lot of reasons for that, but maybe three or 400 a year, uh, attempt and make it. Um, well, sorry, not on attempts. So maybe like double that amount of attempts and two or 300 make it to the top every year. Okay. Wow. On average the last few years. So when you think about what you learned in that year around visualization, how does that apply to the listeners, the secrets of success listeners and how I might apply that to my life? I think one of the biggest things is now this kept me alive on Everest both years was, you know, life is very simple when you're climbing a big Himalayan peak. And so what do you have to take care of? You have to take care of your body temperature. You have to take, so you can, the, the high tech clothes we wear, we can vent, we can zip things down or up. And the weather is so changeable. Even within a 30 seconds, it can, it, it can change 60, 70, even 80 degrees uh, Fahrenheit switch between it's just a schizophrenic environment wow. and you have to adapt to that and you have to be aware of that because if you get if you sweat a little bit and get moisture you're going to get frostbite and you're going to lose body parts and if you uh, get chilled or cold uh, you, you know it's you're 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 going to get frostbite in your fingers and sometimes you can't even tell until um, later so uh, you can't sweat and you can't freeze. So you have to constantly kind of scan this dashboard, almost like a dashboard of your car. When you mm -hmm. scan a dashboard in your car, you can see your gas uh, level, you can see your, your speed, you can see all these things instantly with a quick scan of how your car is functioning. And the same thing kept me alive on Mount Everest. You kind of scan that virtual dashboard of where you're at. Have I, am I drinking enough? Am I, am I, is my focus right on? Is uh, am I keeping my emotions damped down a little bit? Is my ice axe buried into the snow? Are all my crampons, which are the spikes that you have on your boots, are, are they all locked into the uh, into the ice? Am I clipped onto the rope if there's a rope? Am I safe? Is, so all this stuff you have to constantly scan, and it's like your virtual dashboard of survival. And so what that is, is essentially how, you're, how, how everything looks right now in the present, the present moment. And that's what keeps you alive on Everest. But in real life, we're, we're a little more complicated than that. Life's um, more complicated, and so there's more things. So when you look at if you're driving your car, 
you're, you have your windshield. So you're looking down into, which is your future and your goals and your, whatever happens to be on autopilot going in that direction. And then of course you, you have your, your present, which is your dashboard, but you also have these rear view mirrors and your, and that's kind of like your past. So you have your past, your future, and your present all wrapped up into, into one. Mm-hmm. And the day-to-day existence of life, we have, those are all up in the air. They're all like juggling. And I think it's really important to just stay in the present and with one eye towards the, towards the, the road ahead. So I think we're really successfully navigating life and, and work and at home and with our families and all aspects of our life is if we can successfully have one eye on the present, but one eye down, down the road into our future and our goals and what we're shooting for down the road. So when, when you think about your summit, Tim, that you, where you were successful. Yes, the second year. Technically, now you said physically you hadn't um, maybe prepared yourself as well as you'd hoped. So, of course, being ill and trying to summit Everest is not recommended for sure. But you said that, you know, I didn't visualize. How does does visualization help the audience understand? And then we're going to transition into your expertise around really health and wellness as well. Sure. how, How does this visualization actually help me to get there if technically I'm the same person if I visualize or not, what, what, what have you discovered that the audience could apply to their life today? Well, I, I realized the first year, the unsuccessful year, was that uh, my mindset was in the way. And I, I'm, I'm convinced that there, with that mind-body connection, that's what kind of lowered my resistance. And bec- I became more susceptible to the, to the germs that, were, that, are, that float around that environment over there. And that's why I got sick. The second year and of, uh, of my mindset and how that was important and the visualization, I came up with a very distinct visualization of what I wanted to see occur on my second Everest climb. I wanted to have, I, I, I visualized how I wanted my body to feel, how I wanted to be strong and focused and powerful, all these strong words. And I had one, I boiled them all down to one page, two sides of one piece of paper that I constantly had in my front pocket. And my idea was, if I ever got in trouble, if I ever wavered, if I ever lost my, my, uh, my self-esteem, my, if I was really in a bad place or if I was exhausted, I would pull this one piece of paper out, review that. And I got to tell you, I still have that piece of paper. I've made hundreds of copies and I've shared those to, to groups that I speak at and everything. And it still brings tears to my eyes whenever I look at that crumpled, yellowed piece of paper because it was so powerful then at a very important time and it's still really important for me right now. But one of the things that, I, that, I, that really stands out from that piece of paper was, you know, it's easy when, when you're winning to be really enjoying the ride. And when, when you're exhausted, when you're in physical pain, when you're in mental pain, that's when it really counts. So that's when it really counts to, 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 to remind yourself of the goal and still pay attention to the present. And that's one of the biggest things that I, I, that I learned on that trip. Mm. What are some of the things on that yellow piece of paper that you haven't mentioned yet? 
Well, uh, a lot of those were um, just mantras like you're I'm a strong, fit, powerful, professional climber. Uh, it's a glorious line of work that I'm in right now. I'm going to do my utmost to uh, to stay safe and stay strong, help my fellow climbers be a great resource for them and help them along the way. And, uh, and my, my overall visualization was not just to summit Mount Everest, because the, the scary thing is that 56% of the deaths that happen on Mount Everest happen from people who get to the top, but perish on the way down because they took their eye off the ball. Uh, obviously, there's exhaustion, and there's, uh, the more hours you are in the death zone, above 25,000 feet, the more at risk you are. So, mm -hmm. so my ultimate visualization was to summit and to safely return. And the definition of safely returning was to walk back into base camp with all my fingers and toes and a pulse. So my, my mantra became summit and safe return, summit and safe return. I just didn't want to have that ultimate goal as being the summit because, uh, too often people uh, perish on the way down. Mm. Well, interesting you're talking about, and, you know, and Tim, when we're recording this, of course, the world is going through, you know, a lot of stressors around immunity and that kind of stuff. Isn't it interesting your comment that my mindset does affect my immune system? How, Absolutely. How does, yeah, how does and that, that is so hard for a lot of people to get. It's so hard for, for really for people to get, and sometimes people just aren't going to get that. But I, I've, I've seen that so many times in practice, and in practice I cared. I'm up to over 10,000 individuals taken care of. I've, I've participated in over a quarter million healing interactions face-to-face -face with people. And, you know, for example, this, I knew that there was a big psychological component with people's the physical pain. Um, you know, a doctor could have told them down the road before, you know, you have arthritis or you have a bulging disc or something like that. Well, you know, those things, we all have arthritis after the age of 35. It is totally normal. It's normal aging process. But people get that in their mind. Oh, my God, I've got arthritis. And if they're not careful, that can be just an albatross across their neck and they feel I'm going to get worse and worse every year. So they do. So it's total mind over matter type stuff. And uh, just like you brought up, I'm convinced, I know that uh, because of my stressed out headspace on the first year of Everest, that lowered my resistance and the germs that, that float around that particular area had a nice, found a nice little home inside my body because of my lowered resistance. So um, we've got to, our mindset is directly related to our internal resistance and our ability to, to be healthy in our time on this earth. Well, interesting. And when we think about when people get into fear, fear is going to redor, uh, reduce your resistance as well, isn't it? It's a, it's a direct connection. The, well, the, 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 no, it's an inverse reaction. The higher the fear, the lower one's resistance. And the uh, extreme fear is rage. And there's a lot of people that do have just uh, this, this tenacious, grinding rage behind their, their life. And it could be resentment. 
It could be like I just had a client the other day and this was such a major breakthrough for her because she's had chronic pain for years and years and years and years. Mm had a troublesome upbringing, you know, just an uncomfortable, uh, dysfunctional house growing up. And she's always felt trapped. And now she has three beautiful children. She's a wonderful mother, but she finally articulated the rage that she has because she still feels trapped. She feels trapped as a mother. And then she feels guilty because she has, she feels trapped. Mm-hmm. And um, now in this uh, this time of COVID, she's locked in. She's got her three kids at home and she's feeling trapped. And so now her physical pain is way more than it's used to. So um, we're, we work on this every week, she and I. But it was a huge breakthrough that she could admit that, it, you know, she she realized that she feels she's felt trapped at various times in her life. And those were times when she she physically felt significantly more pain. And you know what? She felt tons better just by having that realization. It was a huge weight offer. offer. And the fact that she said, you know what? Sometimes I don't want to be a mother and it enrages me that I don't have, that I still feel trapped. She's not a terrible mother. She's an awesome mother. But she experienced that, felt it. And then metaphorically ripped up that paper and, and, and threw it away and felt a lot better for having had that realization. Mm. Does that make sense? <clears throat> well, it makes total sense. I mean, a lot of people, you know, this mind over matter or what I think I do become, all of those things are true statements. And I think a lot of people dismiss it or they don't really take it seriously that my mindset has significant influence over my condition, both physically, mentally, emotionally. So all of those kind of fit into that. So with that, Tim, I just want to, and thanks for all that. I just want to transition a bit when we think about, you know, individuals and I know, you know, as a health show, we're usually pretty general, but the reality is, as I suspect a very high percentage of people listening have had chronic back pain of some sort or another. And this is some of your new work around people getting rid of that. So let's just kind of transition to that, Tim, and say, okay. what, what is it that you're teaching individuals so that I can reduce or even get rid of chronic pain? Well, the number one thing is, uh, is people have to buy into the fact that there's a mind-body connection. And I will admit that sometimes people, it's hard to, uh, to kind of share that with them and, and have them get that and have them buy into that. Because, uh, you know, it's a philosophical thing. Remember uh, Rene Descartes? I don't know when that was, in the 1500s back then. It, he, he, uh, the church would not let anybody talk about the mind because that was the realm of the church at that stage. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the medical doctors at that time, you can, have, you can do what you want with the body, but the church has, has your mind. So then became a philosophical schism between, okay, the mind and the body are two separate things. And that still goes on today in healthcare. Uh, if you put all your uh, confidence in healthcare into doing into drugs or surgery, that still that and take the mind out of it, we're we're missing a huge amount of the healing that actually takes place. Because um, I know you are connected to the mind body world too, so it, it, we're hamstringing ourselves in the healing of today's ills if we separate the mind-body. And it's funny that centuries for, um, ago, this is when that first started and we still have to wrestle with it. So mm-hmm. 
helping people to understand that there is a mind-body connection. Dr. Ken, have you ever been embarrassed? Have you ever blushed? Uh, rarely, but I have, yes. Has your I face have. ever blushed? Uh, periodically. Yes. I do it all the time. But that's an, that's an example of the mind-body connection. Um, you, you have a, some psychological something uh, spurred a, um, a, a, physio, a physiological uh, reaction. A, a, a red face is a response to an outside of the mind stimulus. Well, so think, uh, sorry, that is a mind-body connection. And think about a lot of people here where uh, maybe a more of extreme example around uh, anxiety attacks is uh, very sure. strongly related yeah. to mind-body. Right. An incredible physical reaction to something that is an emotional phenomenon. Mm -hmm. And then going one step further, you can have um, incredible physical pain and not even have the part anymore. We've all heard that with, uh, with phantom limb syndrome. You know, having someone who had a really, um, obviously, trauma physically and emotionally and lost a leg, let's say, in, in, in combat and still has incredible pain, maybe in, in a limb that's not even there, for example, when a helicopter goes overhead, for example. Mm -hmm. It just brings that stimulus back, and they don't even have the part anymore, but they're feeling the incredible pain that's there. So all this, the second part, the mind-body is connected, and then the second part is that the reason pain becomes chronic is it gets wired in, etched in, if you will, to our brain and its pathways. That's called neuroplasticity, the mm -hmm. science of neuroplasticity. So it gets wired in and learned, if you will, and then one thing that's a catalyst for that to be, to, for that learned burning in, if you will, of the, of chronic pain is strong emotions that, it, that, that are around at that time too. So if you have, like you brought up anger or chronic or fear. So if, if you have a little stimulus of, uh, of body awareness that there's some pain, but you're constantly around fear and then so it just gets etched into the uh, software of the body that every time you feel fear, you're going to get a result in pain experience. Mm -hmm. And the mm -hmm. more time that goes by, months, years, whatever, uh, the stronger, the more etched into the nervous system that becomes and the harder it is to get it fixed. Um, one more client that I, I was thinking about this week um, she had, she's a professional business owner, mid-50s. Uh, she developed a really miserable pain in her mid-back, kind of over her both shoulders and her neck, primarily when, at night. So she'd have a hard time getting to sleep. She'd wake up constantly, and it went on for three or four years. It was miserable. Went to all these doctors. She took a few pills. They, none of the recommendations made helped her at all. And just this one topic that we're talking about today, about the mind-body connection, about etched into the nervous system, her light bulb went on and she never had pain again. And this is two, two and a half, three years ago, one of my first clients. Mm. Mm. So it was just, so this is kind of like knowledge therapy. Wow. And, and you, when you think about, um, you know, people that are listening, <clears throat> a doctor of chiropractic is about adjustments. But really what you're saying, too, is when we think about this pain, uh, we know some individuals who always seem to have these migraine headaches, but there's no, yep. doesn't seem to be any physical reason for it. 
this right. is what you're talking about for the audience. So now what do I do to change this situation, to, to shift this so that I am moving towards being pain-free? Well, uh, one of the biggest is, is just now, and again, one of my predecessors, I'm not sure if you've heard of Dr. John Sarno. Um, he, he's kind of the, well, he passed away a couple of years ago, but he was at it and, and for a long time. And poor guy, never got any respect from his medical uh, compatriots, never got a referral from them. But he's, for, for decades, he was the one that was saying, you know, there's a huge mind component to, to chronic pain and specifically chronic back pain because it's so ubiquitous in our society mm-hmm. and, and so easy to get wrapped up in things. So uh, one of his thing, and that, he was the one of the ones that coined knowledge therapy. Really, uh, the simple way to describe that is brain training. So what we do is we want to just re-etch different pathways. And the biggest way to re-etch different or reprogram the brain and, and its pathways away from chronic pain is simply to be aware that with every every chronic pain, there's a certain there's a there's a mind component to it. It may not be 100% of it, but at least 25% of it is due to the this overlay and rewiring and emotion behind it, and complaining, and telling everybody you know about it. That becomes a self etching pathway that makes it more and more chronic. So one of the things we we do with my coaching clients, and I have. Uh, I, I have one six-week coaching session after another uh, in the group format. One of the things, the first things we do is we rename pain. We don't call it back pain. Mm-hmm. I have each of my clients come up with a different name for the pain, and they do not use the, 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 the descriptor back pain. They might call it turtles. They might call it um, uh, uh, ice axes. They might, they can call it anything that they want. And, and it's better if it's kind of a slightly humorous word, mm-hmm. like, uh, you know, like ice axes or turtles or whatever, because then it just, it changes the, the tonality around dealing with chronic pain and it makes it a little light and a little more fun. And it, it, it actually just with that alone, that helps to re-edge those pathways away from chronic pain. And I must say, we're not talking about all pain. We're not talking about, okay, you put your hand on your uh, uh, in scalding water and you damage tissue. We're not talking about you stubbing your toe against uh, the sofa in the morning. I mean, that's, that, that's, that's acute pain and that's a different thing. We're talking about um, pain that's kind of lasted um, for weeks and or months or even years. Um, that's a whole different thing. And it's impossible not to have at least... 25% of that chronic pain, usually, often 100%, all wrapped up mm. in the brain and its pathways, so all related to emotion. Some chronic pain could be as much as 100% mind Absolutely. connection. Absolutely. Mm. And again, hence my example of that young woman, the, the woman who had the pain in her mid-back. As soon as she got this, the light bulb went on, she never had pain again. Had no need for me, had no need for medication had no need for any of the things that she was doing, therapy and such. It was, it was a knowledge cure. So my, wow. I talk about the knowledge cure with people. And it's not possible for everybody to have 100% because if it's, so, if it's been there for 30 years, it's gonna, there's a lot more underlying. And maybe mm-hmm. that person will only get rid of 25% of their pain or 50% of their chronic pain. 
But if you get, if you take someone and who's open to, to this, to this uh, knowledge therapy and learning, and if they knock out 25% of their pain, that's the difference between enjoying your life and being miserable for the rest of your life. That's huge. Mm -hmm. That's, the, that's the difference between getting on your bike and going for a ride or going for a, uh, taking, putting your day pack on and going for a hike in the woods and laying on your couch and being more and more miserable. That's a mm -hmm. huge difference. Yeah, well, when you think about lifestyle and lifestyle capabilities and, and just enjoying quality of life, that's for sure improved. So what else, Tim? You know, we've got about just a few minutes left in the show, but what else that you have not shared can the listeners implement, you know, by the end of this show or early next week? Okay, three things. Two things, actually. First of all, your stress survey that you've done as part of your CRG? Yes. Is it, I'm not sure if I'm getting the title right, but that's an awesome. It's called the stress indicator and health planner. In fact, I was just thinking about it, just as you were right, because it, and and that's super well. I mean, how awesome is that a, as a tool right now for people that want to just get out there and just kind of go down that list, take that quiz, get that self awareness number one. But in that in that stress indicator, would be remiss if we didn't talk a little bit about nutrition uh, as a stress reducer as well. Uh, in America, they call the average American diet the SAD diet. Have you heard that, mm -hmm. Ken? Oh, of course. Yeah. The standard American diet at what kills us, at what gives us strokes, at what's, it, it's what gives us heart attacks and, and type 2 diabetes and all this kind of stuff. And so one of the things, all my clients, I put them on the, um, the free app. What's that? Which is uh, Dr. Michael uh, Greger's uh, from nutritionfacts.org which is a nonprofit, and it takes all the hype and the sales out of nutritional mumbo-jumbo. And it's a daily checklist, and it called, it's called the Daily Dozen, if your clients want to uh, search for that. But it, it's a, just an easy, it, it, it's the nutrition daily that you can just check on your uh, cell phone, click off if you had your berries that day, if you had your nuts that day, if you had your cruciferous vegetables that day, if you drank water that day, if you exercised that day, if you got a little bit of sun that day, um, if you uh, added some spices, which are very uh, are great on the antioxidant level. But all this nutrition is designed to lower our internal, res our, our inflammation. And all doctors of every stripe agree that uh, the, the, juxta the, the connection between nutrition and an early death is our level of inflammation in our body from our diet. So we have to fix that in order to fix uh, chronic pain too. So that's, uh, I re highly recommend that app. Mm. So if there's some nutritional guidelines beyond what you've shared, what would be a couple more that the audience needs to consider? Uh, one of the things a lot of people don't know is that, that, um, that uh, you know, certain things are antioxidant in, um, in nature, and one of the ones that we uh, is seasonings and spices that we put on food. So if you're not a person who likes to throw on spices, even pepper is a great antioxidant. I mean, um, uh, turmeric is one of the highest ones, so I kind of put that uh, on my whenever I have eggs in the morning, my organic eggs with a huge lump of uh, of vegetables on it. Um, so there's there's a few things that that really work for me that really uh, that have worked for me for many many years. One, it's a three S's: smoothies, 
salads and soups. And they're simple dimple. I'm not a big cook, but I'm going to make a super muscle shake with uh, with a base of plant-based protein powder and um, so, uh, as much uh, spinach as I can fit into the blender and uh, a number of other things in there. But that's that really nails uh, a huge amount of my vegetables just before I even have breakfast. Uh, and I might have that for any time during the day, but I have at least one smoothie a, a day. Salads, obviously, throw some nuts on it, chop up some berries on it, all different greens on it. Um, I, I, you know, your choice. I use avocado oil rather than any other kind of oil. So salads are awesome. Uh, soups, you can, you know, before you let uh, vegetables that are in your refrigerator just kind of go bad, throw them in a crock pot and just cook them all up. It's a way of, pre- of mm-hmm. preventing waste, but also really getting super amounts of nutrition into a soup that you can eat for two or three days with leftovers. Mm. Um, oh, well, nice idea uh, on that. For sure. I, Sim- one simple of my pet thing. peeves is uh, the waste of food. I know. It's crazy. <laughs> and yeah. how much people will uh, throw out with it. Now, Tim, before we go, we just have a few minutes here. Uh, you have your website and some contact information. If they want to find out more about uh, the Spine Sherpa and et cetera, what's, give us your contact information. Uh, well, uh, drtimwarren.com, drtimwarren.com. And I have some free uh, downloads and some information if, if you're if interested in this mind-body aspect of pain and reducing at least 25, anywhere between 25 and 100% of chronic pain. I have some uh, some downloads that are free on yourspinesherpa.com slash 10secrets. I know that you'll include that on this uh Uh, on the write-up for this uh, podcast, but I'd go there. And if I could leave people with one thing, to decrease our stress every day. Meditation seems like a huge out-of-reach thing for a lot of people. They just don't know how to do it, and they Mm -hmm. think about it too much and don't do it. But just simple paying attention to your breath. And the are you familiar with box breathing or one-two breathing? Uh, partly, but go ahead and explain it to the audience. Okay, uh, a box breathing is like, uh, I call it 2-1, which is a ratio of 2 to 1. So you inspire through your nose, let's say it's for a count of 4, and then you blow out through your mouth for a count of 2. So 4 in, 2 out. Mm-hmm. And if you do that repetitively, it's very calming, very relaxing. It taps into our parasympathetic nervous system, which is the calming aspect of our nervous system. And guess what? Congratulations. You're meditating. Anytime that you concentrate on your breath, you're medita- meditating. So it doesn't have to be a big um, you know, set time that you have to schedule into your life. Whenever it pops into your head, do two-to-one breathing. And mm. congratulations, you're meditating. Mm. Well, Tim, uh, as always, thank you for hanging out with us, and it's always great to chat with you. Any final comments or word of wisdom for the audience uh, before we go? Uh, well, uh, I, where do I begin? I, I just think that healing, it's important to realize that healing is an inside job. It's not an outside in as much as it's an inside out. Uh, we have all the tools that we need within us. Yes, we do need doctors and we need medication occasionally. We do need some outside things. But I think it's important to leave your audience with the idea that they, we, you and I, 
are our own doctor. We uh, sometimes have outside doctors as our chosen and trusted guides, but it's our responsibility, it's our responsibility to uh, make our healing an inside job. And if I can help with uh, any education in that line, um, that's what I'm here for. Okay. Well, Dr. Tim Warren, thanks very much for hanging out with us today. Ken, thanks you, man. Appreciate it. Uh, stay on the line. So, Secrets of Success listeners, and, you know, Tim and I have been friends or connected for a few years now. And if you are almost 50 and you climb Mount Everest successfully, uh, I think that the advice there is worthy of noting and considering. You know, we want to be able to really have our best life and our best life comes when we're optimized in our health our wellness we reduce our stress our pain is gone and so that we can fully engage so makes sense common sense and we are in control of that or we certainly if nothing else influence it well thanks as always for being a secret success success listener if you like what we're doing please share pass it on let somebody else know about it leave a positive comment on whatever platform you're listening on. Thank you for listening to Secrets of Success. I'm your host, Dr. Ken Keyes. Thanks for exploring the secrets of success with us. If you want to keep the momentum going, log on to crgleader.com. Scroll to the bottom and sign up for our inspirational emails. You can also take your success to the next level by following us on Facebook and Twitter and connecting with Ken on LinkedIn. We hope you have a great week and look forward to you joining us next time for the Secrets of Success podcast with Dr. Ken Keyes.